Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to a very holly jolly theater in college hoops. I'm Sylvia. Alongside me are my helpers, Santa's helpers, Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Your random college hooper of the week is Dwayne Benjamin. Taylor, I know you know about Dwayne Benjamin. Uh, Shark, you may also know about Dwayne Benjamin because Oregon, that Final Four team, was your team. And Dwayne Benjamin gets overlooked because there's the two Dylans. You had Dylan Ennis. You had Dylan Brooks. You had Tyler Dorsey, who had who, who was just a flamethrower in the tournament. Who else am I missing? Uh, I think Pritchard was a freshman on that team, as a matter of fact. But yes, a, was. a lot of good players on that Oregon team. But if you ask any alum, you ask any student during that time, Dwayne Benjamin, the lanky rail forward, he was a big uh, a component of that team. So Dwayne Benjamin, random college trooper of the week. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. gentlemen uh, i think this is maybe the second time in titch history where we've broadcasted from three separate time zones i am now on the pacific time zone currently in california taylor obviously broadcasting from arizona and the shark on the east coast but we're making it work here merry christmas to you gentlemen taylor as our resident north pole guy how have you been spending this week i saw you were with your mother baking cookies Yes, I was. It's uh, actually a requirement of our uh, citizenship from North Pole is to make Christmas cookies every week. 
hung out with the grandparents today earlier as well. Gave them some Christmas uh, cheer over there. Uh, yeah, just uh, just settling in here in a, a, a balmy 74-degree day here in Scottsdale. Very different from North Pole right now. I think it's minus 22 or something like that there. So, Let me ask you something. What is more bewildering to people when they see your Arizona license and that it expires in like 2092 or that you're from North Pole, Alaska? Well, let me tell you, I actually have uh, – legitimate proof as to which is uh, more what's the word you use bewildering bewildering thank you so uh yes anywhere out of state you get people are like oh wow that's crazy your license doesn't expire until 2055 i this is a story i don't share with everyone but i'll try and make it quick here my license actually says that i'm a woman on it and there's a reason for that okay <laughs> I don't know if you want to tell us that. <laughs> the reason for that is because when I went to go get my Arizona license, I was handing them my Alaska license that said I was from North Pole. And all of the workers at the DMV just started freaking out. They're like, yo, you got to see this. This guy's from North Pole. And they were passing around and shit. And so they fucked up my form and put me in as a woman. And uh, so actually a proof as to the more bewildering is, uh, is the North Pole part. I mean, that's incredible. Again, I don't know if you wanted to share that to us because now we have that in our back pocket for life. Well, I, I mean, it's almost a get out of jail free card if you ever get kicked out of like a bar or something like that, or you don't get let into a bar. You're like, oh, I see what type of place this is. You don't let my you don't let my type of people in here. You know, you could really go a lot of ways with it. So I like it. I like playing the victim card. I'm always for that shark. <laughs> Uh, a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Uh, I hope you're not going to bring the, the Grinch energy or the Mr. Scrooge energy. We started the past couple episodes with the football team, Dwayne Haskins uh, taking a loss and then celebrating with some stripper booty crumbs in his face. How, how has your week been? Week's been good. Just over here, biting my tongue on that Taylor story right there. So going to have to... You know, be professional throughout all of this. If he has a comment throughout any of these shows, I want to make sure I don't say anything inappropriate. Um, yeah, week's good. Great time of the year. Uh, didn't really do much. Not really doing much. Things are good. Cannot complain. Look, I know you guys got a bachelorette finale to get to, so let's let's get into our offense early. We won't waste any clock here. Uh, I want to start off with Kunkel. If you guys are okay with it, I'd love to start off with Kunkel. He hits the game-winning three against Marquette uh, for Xavier. And a couple weeks ago, Shark, you you were like the Oracle in uh, the Matrix. You've been having a, a hot streak in terms of predictions. Uh, a couple weeks ago, you tweeted about Kunkel, and you said that he's a three-point specialist, something to that effect. You also slipped in some audio a couple weeks ago on the show about Kunkel. Uh, so we'll get your thoughts here on Kunkel in a minute. If you can't already tell, I just want to just badger the word Kunkel or the name Kunkel. I'm going to keep using yeah. it. Um, so real quick, in this young season, Marquette has already won a, on a buzzer beater and felt the pain of losing on one. Uh, in my opinion, Marquette, tougher than than a Tony Perkis summer camp. But Shark, before I get to some of the more absurd things that were going through my mind when Kunkel hit that three, I'd like to hand it over to you. Yeah, Kunkel here, Kunkel there. I mean, it's a great name to say. Yeah, you know, he's more than just a name, though. 
he, he was one of the better players on Belmont last year transfer that got through just because of the COVID um, restrictions. All the Xavier guys were fired up about that and he doesn't start for them. He comes off the bench. He's a shooter. His father was a shooter. His father was a shooter. I don't actually know that, but it's, it would make sense based off of his stroke, but he, he liked, yeah. Yeah, yeah, finish. There you go. Um, his mother was a mother kind of in that vein right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kunkel lights it up and, that team is pretty tough. Now, obviously, they're going to they're gonna face some challenges this week. I think they got Creighton on the road. Is that right? Am I right on that? They got Creighton? Um, I don't know. Have looked at the schedule ahead. I, Kunkel honestly belongs on Creighton if we're talking about <laughs> like the kind of player that guy is. But, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I was aware of him a few weeks ago. Um, didn't watch a second of that game. I was watching football, but I saw that it was a pretty sweet step back three, and Xavier's, what, 8-0 and now? It's pretty good. Yeah, moved into the top twenty-five rankings. Uh, Why aren't they higher? I mean, right? I mean, they're eight and zero. They've beaten Oklahoma. They they won that game. Like Duke's two and two, and they're they're still ranked. I mean, come on. I think they've eked out a couple of these wins, as a matter of fact. And I mean, this Marquette one is is no different. But you're right. I mean, it's a fair point. They might they they could be ranked higher, and I think they have some opportunity to do that this week. But that Conkle shot. The first thing that came to my mind was, okay, I got to get the feet tweet off. I got to get the farmer Fran gift going, but then I had a night to think about it and let it marinate. And there were some missed opportunities on my behalf that I want to bring up uh, theater references as it, as it is. First of all, Uncle Stiltskin, big daddy, Adam Sandler, when he's talking to Julian's friend on the playground, asking him if he's mixed you who with rum and the kid says, rumple Stiltskin. Kunkel Stillskin. That was a missed opportunity. Number two, an ode to Sue Collini from the show Californication when uh, she loves David Duchovny's agent, whose name is Charlie Runkle. She says, Oh, Runkle. That one is uh, a shout out to great friend of the program, Rob Moran. He loves that. Got to do a better impression right there. Got to get a little deeper and raspier if you're going to do that. Oh, uncle. That's good. Yeah, you, you do have to dig deep. I mean, her voice is just, it, it, it was made of sandpaper. But thank you for picking me up there. And then lastly, Uncle Kunkle. Maybe an ode to Uncle Cracker. Follow me and everything is all right. I'll be the one to kunk you in at night. And if you so maybe I'll play us off there. But those were some of the things that were going through my mind. Taylor Kunkle with the game winner against Marquette. Gather yourself and tell us your initial reactions. I wasn't sold on Uncle Kunkel until you until you started singing it there. Though now I'm completely sold. Um, yeah, there in, for our second North Pole reference in the first nine minutes here. Uh, there's Kunkel Automotive in North Pole, Alaska. Actually, it's a real place. Um, so two two North Pole references. First, let's 10 work on a sponsorship there. Let's work on a sponsorship there. I will. I will. I'll do my best. Um, you know, it's funny, Kunkel. Like you said, he had 22 points in 17 minutes. The other night and he only had six points combined in the first two games so i don't know if this is necessarily something that's going to continue or if maybe he was just easing into the se- in easing into the season uh i don't know um but uh xavier's last three games marquette oklahoma cincinnati also in there as a win uh yeah you'd like to maybe see them a little higher uh perhaps i might have a little more to add about them later in this episode as well well, so we discussed Zach Fremantle, and then 
the shark came in with Conkle. And now, I mean, he's a household name. You hit a game winner, or maybe not necessarily a household name, but a, a, a household name in our sort of group of college basketball Twitter. Uh, so that's a big win there for Xavier. And you're right, undefeated on the season. I don't think they had a ton of expectations coming in, but they're finding ways to win early, getting that under their belt. And now as they enter conference play, uh, they're proving to be one of the better teams in the Big East thus far. So looking forward to seeing what what the X-Men have to bring to the table. Let's move on to Coach Cal. Again in the news, Shark, I know you're just sick and tired of discussing Kentucky, but I, I can't look away from this train wreck right now they lose to north carolina last week but that wasn't even the biggest issue coach cal goes on twitter and he publicly essentially dismisses cam fletcher from the team i mean he tells him to take take a few days off step away from the team uh but the the tweet reads this coach cal says we've asked cam fletcher to take some time and step away from the team he needs to reflect and do some soul searching to get his priorities in order any attitude or actions that are detrimental to this team will not be tolerated, and that goes for everyone on the team. We have a culture here that's been built over the last 11 years, and it will not change, yeah, so on and so forth. Uh, Shark, I know, again, you don't want to discuss this terrible team. You don't want to discuss Cal, but did this strike you as uh, – uh, how did this strike you, Coach Calipari taking to Twitter and not necessarily handling it internally? Didn't strike me at all. If uh, No strike. I mean, if it was a ball, you know, it's – to play the strike ball bit there. Um, I mean, wasn't this guy just sitting on the bench the whole game and then he started crying at the end of the game when they were losing? And isn't he just some four-star that barely plays anyways? I mean, who cares about the one-in-five four-star on the bench that barely got any minutes? You know what, Sub? That was that game was being played in a tournament, right? It was Kentucky versus North Carolina. And then there was a game right after that, Ohio State versus UCLA, which was actually a good t- game between two actually good teams. We should be talking about that instead of what Coach Cal did in terms of his tweeting episode after the fact where people are saying he threw, threw his guy under the bus. Of course he threw his guy under the bus, but who cares? All right, I don't care about Kentucky and the management uh, style and the leadership ability of Coach Cal and what he's going to do and how, what impact this is going to have on future recruits. Who cares? The team stinks. There was actual good games that were being played. I wish we had a producer so we could have cut the segment already. Well, okay, we can double back to Ohio State UCLA, but let me get Taylor's thoughts on this tweet from Cal. I, I just think it's an extremely strange situation in general. Uh, I, the, the tweets make it even more strange. I would love to get the opinion of uh, like any any parent aged person, like our parents are aged person or our or or younger or older, excuse me, on uh, like snowflakes crying on the bench during a college basketball game. I think that would be a very interesting conversation to overhear. I don't know. I think the tweet, the tweets, the tweeting thing is interesting, but I think Shark is correct. And it's not going to negatively affect Cal going forward or Kentucky going forward. I, at least, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, like you said, like recruiting. So more than anything else, I just think the whole situation is very strange. Do you guys want a player that sh- outwardly shows his emotions on the bench? I mean, he's like you said, he's a four-star guy. The team sucks. He's not getting any playing time. That's why he's upset. So do you want a guy that has that attitude that's like, hey, let, I, I want to play so bad, even for a team that's terrible, to try and change the season around? Or do you think it's just a bad look to be showing your emotions uh, outwardly like that? Um, 
I think it's a terrible look for a college basketball player to be crying in a basketball game in the eighth basketball game of the year in front of like no fans with really nothing on the line. Season's over though. I mean, what's, what's there to lose? I kind of, I kind of liked where he was coming from in that respect. I, 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 I guess I don't if know. he was yeah, like, that. A, if he was on a middle school team, maybe I could see the appeal and the kid wanting to get on the court, but I mean, it's time to, Grow up a little bit here, man. You're you're playing at the highest level for kids around your age, and you're gonna cry on the bench. I mean, that's everyone's always gonna remember us. I mean, we already know the Providence crier. Now we got the Kentucky bench crier over here. Uh, that's a good point, uh, Shark. I'm fine with it though. Let's talk Ohio State UCLA. What what did what did you want to discuss about them? Well, I thought it was a great basketball team game. Excuse me. I, I was trying to get something set up here. Did you hear that USAA thing that was going on in the background, or is that just on my end? No, Whatever. I'm assuming it was just on my end. Um, we thought it was a great game. Very entertaining. Uh, two very good defensive teams. A lot of p- positionless basketball. I hadn't really watched Ohio State. I hadn't really watched UCLA a lot this year. And I was impressed with what I saw on both sides of it. Two well-coached teams. The USAA thing might get going again here. So please bear with me. Oh, I see where it's coming from now. Yeah, we we got her muted. Um, it was just you. I, nobody. I, it, I, it, I, it, I can't totally hear the USA. It threw me off. It got in my head. It was, uh, I mean, I I was playing hurt over here. But yeah, I watched that game. Two good teams. Another little side thing about, about this as well. Uh, good color combination. UCLA in the all blue. Ohio State in the all red. It was very pleasing to my eye as I watched that flipping back between that and Notre Dame, Clemson, as well as Buffalo, uh, Denver which I was doing a little Christmas. To- there it is. You don't hear that? Oh no one God. hears it. Power. I, I just did. Right, I'm good. I, I defeated it. But yeah. I, I was impressed with that game. Washington, Ohio state uh, can get shots off when he wants. I texted you two guys. I, I'm trying to get some insight from the pack. I text you guys both on a Saturday. It's a midday Saturday. I say, Hey, this guy Jacques uh, or Jacques on UCLA. Talk to me about him. Um, and I don't even get a response. Well, I was driving. I was driving Please. during the day. Uh, don't advise. know much about Jacques. I, I, I could tell you a little bit about Johnny Juzang, Kentucky guy. There you go. She won in Kentucky. Well, I mean, Jacques was the leading <laughs> scorer on the team. Oh, no. I mean, look, UCLA is a, is a good team. I mean, it was between them and ASU uh, that a lot of people were going to say that we're going to win the pack, was going to win the Pac 12. ASU looks pretty terrible. UCLA has a couple losses, but they don't look as bad as as ASU does. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this game was a rematch of 2005, 2004, Final Four, uh, where it, when Ohio State went to the title game and lost to Florida. And I think that was maybe se- the second or third straight Final Four that Ben Howland went to, whatever that was. Uh, but yeah, UCLA, Ohio State, two good teams, two very well-coached teams, which you had mentioned. I'm, I, I, I like to think that Mick Cronin and Chris Holtman are on the same level in terms of coaching ability. Cronin's been doing it for a longer time. He's been in the spotlight for a little bit longer, but Chris Holtman uh, has, has done it as well, obviously at Butler and now at Ohio state, he's been to a couple tournaments with the Buckeyes. I think all that's missing for him right now is a deep run. uh, And this team very well might be able to do it. I I, I really liked what you just said about comparing Mick Cronin and Chris Holtman like that. And it got me thinking in terms of if you were to put college coaches that are coaching right now and put them in seats, right? So you got a one seed, you can get, make it that J right. Or you got, you know, a two seed, you can make that, um, I don't know, Rick Barnes. 
Yeah, or <laughs> I think Rick Barnes is up there. I think Rick Barnes is up there. But I think we could do that. And I, th- I think if you're looking at Mick Cronin and Holtman, you're looking at five seats right there. This could be an idea for us once it gets to bracket season. Everybody starts making brackets, and who can be the most creative bracket maker? We might have this one in the back pocket, thanks to Subi over here. Yeah, well, I'm an idea man. I've been saying that, and we'll get to bra- bracketology a little later in this episode. Taylor, do you have any thoughts on the Buckeyes and the Bruins? Um, that rematch was from the 2007 Final Four. Just, uh, and you're really underselling how bad ASU is this year by saying they haven't been good. They're fucking terrible. Um, I don't have any more thoughts than you guys did because you pretty much covered it all. UCLA is probably a better team than maybe their two losses would suggest. Um, just looking at, you know, they don't turn the ball over that often. They have a good uh, point guard in Tiger Campbell. Uh, they shoot the ball pretty well. They rebound the ball pretty well. Uh, you know, I, I think it's just a team that, you know, they lost to SDSU early in the season. Turned out to be probably not as bad of a loss as it looked uh, right away. And then, uh, you know, a loss to... Ohio State on the road isn't exactly a terrible loss. They beat Marquette. Uh, they don't really have any other notable games other than that. Maybe Cal, if you want to call that a notable game. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think they're two losses and they're not ranked right now. I would say that they're probably still one of the 25 best teams in the country, despite being outside of the top 25 right now. Yeah, I think Mick Cronin has a big year this year, and it's it's kind of flying under the radar. We talked about Archie Miller potentially being on the hot seat and he's still been a little average Shaka smart has certainly cooled down that hot seat. Uh, He was another coach that we were discussing coming into the season, but Mick Cronin sneaky under the radar, a big season here for him at UCLA because he's, he's nowhere near the hot seat. He just got hired maybe two years ago or so, but UCLA wants a winner quickly. Okay. And we, we clown on UCLA for not filling up Poly Pavilion prior to the pandemic. We clown on them potentially for being soft LA people, but they are, their fan base is savvy. They're basketball savvy and they're a true blue blood basketball school. And when Cronin got hired, I think a lot of people were saying, does he fit with the UCLA culture? Does he fit with your thought process of what LA is? Showtime, fun, push the ball. McCronin's more of a nitty gritty defensive guy like he was at Cincinnati gut out wins but if he can produce wins and he's gotten them to early season rankings of the top 25 and last year he was on an absolute hot streak toward uh, until they lost to USC Mick Cronin I think needs to continue him and Wojo this is the category I put them in guys that need to build momentum going forward and build momentum on some of these wins Um, so yeah that's that's UCLA Ohio State Interesting to see where these two teams will end up at the end of the year. I want to move to the AAC a little bit here and talk Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway agrees to a five-year extension at Memphis. And so, Shark, you you mentioned Rick Barnes is a two-seed. If he's a two-seed, where exactly is Penny Hardaway? Because in my estimation, I love Penny, but I think this seems to be an unwarranted contract. And I I got a feeling you guys are going to agree with me on this. What exactly has he done? Is this just putting faith in him right now because he has the Memphis cachet because he's been fantastic on the recruiting trail? He just put two first rounders in the draft and James Wiseman and precious Chua. Uh, But if you look at him right now, they're five and five with losses to VCU Auburn, who like they don't have anything really to play for Tulsa. They lost to a couple nights ago. They were in a dogfight with Tulane, who we deemed the worst basketball team of the power teams in our Titch rankings. Shark, 
I got to think that you're kind of you're you're loving this extension as a rival of a Memphis team. Well, I I think so. You you listed all the things that he's done well and which justify the extension for him. So I, I guess the question is, who else are you going to get uh, to come coach at Memphis? That's the first question you got to ask yourself. And two, what has he done that's been successful? And he you're right. Yeah, I mean, he's put two guys in the NBA. He recruits well. There's an energy surrounding the program. The problem is he can't coach for shit on the court, and that's an issue. However, I will defend them a little bit here in the same way that people are, you know, teasing and mocking Kentucky for having slow starts and Duke for having a slow start or all those other teams that aren't doing very well out of the gate. You could say the same thing about Memphis as well. So my question would one be, all right, Memphis isn't necessarily going to be a place you're going to have to take a risk to bring in someone to coach there again. It would be maybe like a Greg Marshall would be something if you weren't going to get Penny Hardaway. But I mean, he's a hometown guy. There's an energy surrounding it. He's always going to succeed, not from being a tactician, but from putting better talent on the floor. So, I mean, what else are you going to do? But rather than just roll the dice and see what he can produce for you. So I don't really hate the extension. I know he was getting attacked by Dockage <laughs> and a few other people, but I mean, what? what I, I, give me an alternative. You know, don't come to me with a problem. Come to me with a solution. He, right now, he's a decent enough solution. It's yeah, I can. Pl- I can. Pl- I completely agree with Shark on that. And I think that if you're going to go this whole, uh, you know, kind of one and done high flying type of culture that Penny Hart, high flying, literally like on private jets type of culture, you might as well just fully lean into it and, and like actually make it happen. Uh, If you look at it, he's only, he's barely, his extension barely puts him inside the top 50 highest paid coaches in college basketball. And Memphis is, well within inside that top 50 programs in college basketball. So it's not like they broke the bank to keep him there. And uh, he's a good recruiter, of course, as we know. This year is just going to be a poor year for a team like Memphis or like a Kentucky or whatever who relies very uh, you know, highly upon high-level recruits, especially guys who could be one and done. This is just not the year for that. So I don't think that there's, uh, I don't think there's any reason to not extend him because he, they're five and four or whatever on the year this year. So, so here's my question for you guys then. And Taylor, to your point about recruits, it was the collection of these recruits that gave him, I think it was the best recruiting class in the country, or maybe number two. I mean, you look at guys like Boogie Ellis. This is his second year. Lester Quinones, this is his second year. Landers Nolly is a great transfer from Virginia Tech. So, I mean, I, whereas the Kentucky guys, these are fresh faces to college basketball. Even a guy like Devin Askew probably shouldn't even be in college right now. These probably should be his senior year in high school. But what I'm curious about, and maybe I didn't read too much into this, and I probably should have done more research, but was Penny up for an extension? Like, why why did they reward him with this extension out of the out of the gate? I don't care about the money. You're right. That's a great point. But I'm saying, why are you saying it just seemed like it was out of nowhere that they said, okay, we're gonna reward you for a pretty bad year last year and a shitty start so far this year? I mean, what am I missing here? Well, it's a five year extension that puts him there through 2026. So his contract had to be coming up. This company, this so that's company. what I, was it. Co- yeah. Was it coming up then? It had to have. Been, yeah, it had to have been. If you know, obviously, given that, given that math there. But uh, if you look at, you know, not to belabor this point, but if you look at some of the coaches that puts him around in terms of uh, of dollars per year, you're talking about guys like Mike Hopkins, Fred Hoiberg, the second coming, uh, Steve Prom, Brad Brownell, 
you know, there's some good guys mixed in here too, like uh, Greg Gard and criminally underpaid Le- Leonard Hamilton is going to make less than Penny next year. But uh, that's a nugget. Holy shit. He'll make a little more than Jawan Howard. I guess that's a pretty good comp for him. He'll make a little more than than, than Jawan. So no, I think it's just I think where he's at is just fine. And if you're if you're Memphis, why not? He's a he's not just a random dude. He not built the program, but he's as important of a pillar in the history of Memphis basketball as any singular person is. The other thing you got to consider with and why why you extend them? Yeah, they're they're off to a bad start. They're five and four, uh, but they play in the American. And each year they have a chance at winning that conference. Now this year, probably not because Houston's nasty, uh, but going forward, you're really going up against the Houston's of the world. I mean, I would expect Wichita to, you know, take a step down from that and the SMUs in the world. I mean, it's really not that difficult of a conference. So if you're in something where you can compete for it, even if you play like shit for most of the regular season, which let's kind of extrapolate this out, you can kind of expect that from Memphis. Even if they're right around 500, they can always get into the tournament one year just by pure talent alone by getting hot in one weekend in early March each year. Uh, so that's that's probably why you want to do it, because you can kind of guarantee that he's going to keep bringing in players because he's an established, incredible legacy NBA player as well. Very curious to know what the barn guys have to say about this chief bro and uh, uh, slim. But I would also say, you know, I'm curious the way I look at it, worst case scenario is this ends up like a Danny Manning situation at Wake Forest where they gave Danny Manning an extension after he went to the play-in game of the tournament. Penny hasn't even done that. And again, who knows what the future holds, but that's the worst case scenario. I'm curious to know what you guys think is the best case scenario for an extension like this in Penny. Like who's a parallel? Give me a minute to think on that. But the problem with Danny Manning is he's going up against the ACC every single year. So he can strike gold that one year playing a play-in game and then you know have to repeat it and play a brutal schedule at each year. I mean, yeah, the American's not bad, but it's it's not great either. No, I mean, that's a, that's a fair comp. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I have a comp off the top of my head. Uh, I will say I did get into a small Twitter spat with some Memphis people uh, recently, though, um, including, yeah, was that about including, Grayson Allen? Yes, including Barn Burner Bro himself. Yeah, I was uh, curious. Why, why'd you why'd you take a, a swing like that? I mean, I know we don't like Grayson, but well, it, uh, you know, they were saying that the so Trey Young and Grayson Allen got into a beef, I guess, this week, and someone said, "Well, Trey Young couldn't even beat up my toddler." And in response, I was like, "Well, what's Grayson Allen going to do? Trip your toddler? Like, what's the?" You know, there's not like he's going to do anything either. And then uh, some random Memphis dude, I didn't even know who it was, came up and he did the, he did the, remember Shark when we got into some Twitter beef with a Providence guy and he said, okay, Taylor, Taylor. Oh, I mean, your driver's license does (laughs) indicate female. So, gosh, I I told myself I wasn't going to do that. And those holidays trying to be good. And then, uh, his response to that was Grayson would whoop your ass. And I'm like, okay, okay. Well, there, there goes any Twitter funniness there right now. And I, I responded with what else? And he, he, he decided to just end it there. So I, I, I love the classic, no comeback, comeback on Twitter. It's one of my favorite interactions to have with people. It was just an odd scenario looking at it as a third party observer, because I'm like, well, first of all, why is Trey Young getting into it with Grayson Allen right now? I didn't think Grayson Allen did anything, but on the other hand, I don't know if I ever want to find myself in life 
going to bat for Grayson Allen on Twitter. I don't know if that will ever happen. <laughs> that was a kind of exactly my point. I'm like, really? You, he's not even like a good he, – he's just a guy on Memphis. So that, like, that's, why, eh. that's why I'm cool with, with Barnburner Bro saying, like, Trey couldn't do anything. If you're going to slander Trey, that's fine. He didn't necessarily back up Grayson. Which is probably a position you never want to be in. <laughs> yeah, right. He chose his words right or, uh, carefully right there. Yeah. Well, get a little Twitter mud never hurt anybody, especially around the holidays. Uh, a couple of games that I want to touch on from last week. First of all, Gonzaga taking Iowa to the woodshed. Not much else to say, except these guys are like laughably good. I was looking at the score, and I, all you can do is just laugh because they've completely handled Kansas. They handled Iowa. I, I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say that they handled uh, Luca Garza, who, by the way, we've been hearing how Drew Timmy's the best big in the country. Some some murmurs. It's it's not true. Luca Garza is the best big in the country. He had thirty and ten. Drew Timmy is fantastic. He plays on a better team, as we saw. But uh, you know, Gonzaga right now is just a complete wagon. And like I said, the, the only thing you can do right now is just laugh at how truly great they are. I'm not ready to concede or entertain the Gonzaga versus field talk, which we've heard a lot about is would you take Gonzaga or the field? And a lot of people are taking Gonzaga. There's still way too many variables here, but what is going in their favor is that there won't be any fans. I don't think come NCAA tournament time. And when you are this great of a team, when you are this heavy of a favorite, that comes with a ton of pressure. And I'm talking about little things like playing in stadiums where fans of another team, fans of, of teams that aren't even watching uh, Gonzaga versus whoever they're playing. Maybe they're, uh, I don't know, like a Arizona or a Tennessee waiting for the next game. Those guys are going to be rooting for the underdog. So not only are you going up against, I mean, this is like the only sport where this happens, college basketball. If you're a Gonzaga, you're going up against an Iowa you're going up against Iowa plus whomever is is waiting for the next game. You're going up against the whole country. People want to see the upsets. Uh, they don't have to deal with that this year, though. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to matter, but Gonzaga right now is clear-cut number one best team in the country. Shark, do you entertain this Gonzaga versus the field talk, or are you in the same boat as me? Don't even come close to entertaining it. I, I They... <laughs> They scored a bunch of points against Iowa. Everyone has known that Iowa is going to be a bad defensive team all year, and they capitalized. That game was actually pretty close throughout the first half, and then it took one run from Gonzaga, and they kind of kept them at arm's distance the rest of the way. I'm not necessarily blown away in this national fellatio that everyone's doing for Gonzaga right now. And frankly, I think Tennessee could beat them tomorrow if they were to play. You know, I said people are talking about how great they are. A couple of years ago, people were saying the same thing about Gonzaga and Tennessee went and beat them in somewhere in Arizona. So I don't you're think shaking it would your be head. Same at level. I don't know. See, I don't think I it was the same level of like fellatio. All right. Well, it's a type of fellatio right now that we're seeing. And it was the same. Tennessee was just as good. Tennessee hadn't lost. I, they might have lost one game. Obviously, it was Grant Williams, but it's not like Zaga didn't have anyone on their team as well. Pretty sure Kispert would have been on that team. So I don't know. I This this kind of stuff, we'll see what happens when Gonzaga plays Virginia in a couple of weeks or this week, whenever that game is. But, you know, every year, Gonzaga throws up a bunch of wins. What have they done this year besides beat Iowa and Kansas. Kansas, right? 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, 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 oh, yeah, shit. It's been like what? a month into the season. That's two top five teams, and they've they, they've demolished them. Those games haven't really been that close. I. I, I consider the game against Iowa closer than it actually was. And I, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule now. They played West Virginia. They won by five, uh, won by five points. So right now, if they were a big 12 team, they got a close win, a mediocre win against Kansas, but they won by 12 and they got a close win against West Virginia. Imagine if you're playing that throughout the entire season. So that's where Gonzaga gets their separation. They win one game and then they can touchdown dance on that one game for the rest of the year because they're playing Portland state every other week. And that's where this is a problem because they're going to get tested when they get thrown up against it. Someone that's tough later on. So I'm not blown away by them. Um, when I watch them, you know, they, they have tons, they can shoot the ball, they can defend their active, but I'm curious to see who, uh, whether they're going to Timmy or Kispert at the end, or I know Suggs is a good player as well. We'll see if someone rises to the top. I'm just absolutely blown away by their balance. Taylor, are you buying into the Gonzaga hype right now? I hate to say this because I'm the least Gonzaga supporter of all time, but the name, the games you just named off are three of the top seven teams in the country they've beat so far this year. What do you mean they haven't done anything? They, I didn't say they haven't done anything. I well, said they're I'm not, not. They're not resting on one game and tap dancing out. They've literally beat. There's only they are one of the top seven teams. They beat three of the only six other teams they could beat in the top seven. Like I don't yeah, know what what spo- else are they supposed, supposed to do. Well, they're supposed to play Tennessee too, but that game got canceled. Tennessee beat them a few years ago, so that's well. Here's I'm glad you said completely different rosters too. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I I pulled it up. Yeah, Kispert was on the team. They had Rui Hachimura. They had Brandon Clark, two NBA players. See, but here's the deal. No, I'm glad you brought this. I'm I'm very glad you brought this up because the big difference between Gonzaga this year over Gonzaga in another year is they have someone who projects as a potential top five, if not top overall pick in the draft, some mock drafts have Jalen Suggs at right now. That's the difference between Gonzaga this year and other years. They Other years, they are they have guys who work themselves into the top, you know, the lottery or a first-round draft pick. They have guys this year who start there and now are playing under that system. So that's the big difference for them this year is these aren't like the scrappy gym rat Gonzaga guys who work their way into NBA lottery picks. These are guys who start there and then go into you're the saying guys. It's just, you're just talking about one guy, right? Like every other example is someone that's worked his way up and scrapped his way into the lottery. Well, so yeah, but yeah, so that's the big difference is that they have a guy like that who is Gonzaga's never had a guy who's projected out as like a top five pick. Austin Day was about it, but he wasn't nearly as good as Jalen Suggs is right now. So that's, I mean, that's a that's a huge difference for a team like Gonzaga. They, they, have always lacked a guy like that in terms of, uh, you know, kind of their talent level as a whole. And now they have someone like that. Um, and that, that, I mean, that's exactly what makes them the number one team in the country and probably better than almost every other Gonzaga team we've seen. I think another addition to that Taylor is having a dominant big man. We've always sort of laughed at their big man in the sense that they got Karnowski. Uh, Zach Collins was great, but he was just, I mean, I use that liberally, actually. I don't know how great he was in college. He was he was solid. He was just a freak athletically. He had good minutes in the title game. But Drew Timmy is a dominant big. I know I just said that he's not as good as Luca Garza. There's zero shame in that, right? So you have Drew Timmy. You have great guard play as well. Iie also. So I mean, there's just and Shark. Yeah, when, I, I don't know how I don't know how dominant you think he is. Like he plays this role. He Drew plays Timmy? it in. 
Yeah, I mean, Luca he's arguably Garza, the best big in the country. You could argue it. I know you didn't watch the game, but Luca Garza did literally whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted against Timmy. Timmy was yes. just a guy out there. It's Luca okay, so, Garza. Yeah, I know. He got right. well, like, well, well, yeah. saying, you, there's going to be another yeah. big white guy on Gonzaga next year that they plug in there, and he's going to put up 14 and eight well, like they do every single year. Yeah, I know that means more than that, but I mean, I was not impressed with Timmy at all against Iowa. That's just like saying all they've played is Iowa, West Virginia, and Kansas. It's like, like, oh, well, the fucking national player of the year played well against him. Like, ah, oh, he must suck then. Like, I'll take Drew like, Timmy oh, over I think, almost everyone else. I think you're, you're hyperbolizing how dismissive I, I was about how good they are. I was basically just saying I don't think that they are one that is going to run away with it at the field at all. And I, I think that what I've seen, at least from Twitter, is Gonzaga and everybody else. And I don't see see that at all. Yes, they beat Kansas, closer game than the score finally was. Yes, they beat West Virginia, much closer game. And even this Iowa game, it was close, in my opinion, watching it. So I don't think that they are as dominant as you're going to see. Like, take the better example would be Memphis, when Memphis was going 30 and all that one year. That was a dominant team that really wasn't even close with anyone. Granted, they didn't play good teams like we're seeing right now, but we're not going to see Gonzaga tested throughout the entire season. I mean, I I was a I'm a little more ready to lean into it than you guys. I'm not giving that distinction to them, but I was ready to lean in that a little bit when Nemhard got uh, got his waiver to play this year. I mean, that was the only thing this team was going to lack is who was going to back up and be another ball handler with Suggs. Oh another like former five-star recruit now or whatever, who's already played at a high major level. So I, when Nemhard got uh, his transfer waiver, I mean, that, that was kind of to, to me, whereas this team is clearly far and away the best team in the country. And that was even before they picked up a ball and there's been nothing to, to that's dissuaded me from ha- still having that thought now. Same. I'm, I'm with you on that Taylor, but to Shark's point, I, and I said this at the top of the, the se- segment, I suppose, I'm not ready to give them the runaway title, right? I'm not ready to say sure. I'm taking Gonzaga over the field because there's way too many variables. To be honest with you, there are only the, I think the only team in my memories in watching college basketball where I've been like, I'm going to take them over the field is 08 Carolina. And guess what? That's exactly what they did. They went wire to wire and it wasn't very close ever. So, you know, there's just too many variables that can happen, especially in this, in this wild. You can't forget 2014 Iowa State, too. If Niang's foot didn't go Get down, that, that, that was yeah, I mean, I've literally just said there's too many variables. The biggest variable, arguably, is injuries. Well, fortunately for them, I guess that's kind of my point here with the Nemhard thing, is that fortunately they could even survive an injury because it, they were already projected as the number one team in the country without him. And so – Obviously, we don't want to project who would be injured or not or whatever. But I don't. I'm not. I wouldn't say them versus the field, but I would take whatever yeah, next, you know what? next, next Every... level bet be below that. I would take with them. I don't know what that would be like. Them to the final four is. I would take that bet in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. Probably favored at this point, but I mean, every year it's Gonzaga's well, yeah. deep. Gonzaga's got this. Gonzaga's got that. I mean, I, I, I get your point on the difference maker having a, a crucial five-star and a guy that's an elite talent. I think that is a fair point that distinguishes them from the previous years, but we'll see. Another very good team 
and potential title contender Michigan State. They lost to Northwestern, got embarrassed, to be honest with, with you. And for me, it felt like it went completely under the radar. What exactly happened in this game? I will say that this is one of the advantages of being a quote-unquote likable program or having a likable coach like Izzo. Izzo isn't necessarily a lightning rod, maybe outside of, I mean, Michigan fans might hate him, but Outside of that, do people really hate Michigan State? Do they hate Tom Izzo like they do some of these other coaches? I don't think so. So this is one of those advantages of being a likable program is nobody really slanders you for losing to Northwestern when you very clearly should not have. Uh, Did either of you guys watch this game? Because I was looking at the scores at the end of the day, and I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't even see this happen. Well, that's why you play and get upset on Sunday afternoon you know, during the NFL, like week 14, that's a perfect time to lose to Northwestern is while there's pivotal NFL like seating games going on essentially. Uh, so no, I didn't actually watch this game. I, I watched a little, I tried to watch a little bit of it on big 10 network at like midnight uh, last night, I guess that was, and that only lasted so long. Um, I'd like to go back and watch it and actually learn a little more about Northwestern. And, uh, and we, I think we've talked about Boo Booey on this show more than one time before. Um, but I, I, I think not to go back to the last point I was just making, but like the reason people are asking if it's Gonzaga versus the field is because the number four team in the country just lost by double digits to Northwestern. So I don't even know if it's as much of a Gonzaga thing as it is a everybody else who's going to beat them type of thing. Uh, but no, I, I, I don't know a lot about this game specifically because it was NFL Sunday. Shark, did you catch any of this game? Did you have any thoughts on it? No, I know is Northwestern sucked last year and they were able to get a big win here. So maybe they could be last year's Penn state. Uh, maybe that, that might be a, the, the theme with them this year, but um, I didn't catch mo- most of it. Michigan state could potentially be a fraudulent team at this point. They're scoring a lot of points and they're not playing, uh, their typical defense, you know, we they almost lost that Detroit Mercy game a few weeks back. Uh, might be something to monitor there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, to that last Gonzaga point right there, yeah, no shit Gonzaga is going to be the number one overall seed for the, the rest of the year. I'm with you on that point. It's, it's a question of whether or not someone can beat them later on. I was just saying that that's the reason why people are asking that question. Not myself, other people, of course. Uh, I will point out, though, that Rocket Watts is not – shooting the ball very well this year. Uh, And as a guy who's been a fan of a school who had a lead guard that couldn't shoot very well, it's a little tough to run your offense when the other team's not worried about uh, your, your lead guard making any buckets. Uh, He's only shooting 39% from the field. He's only shooting 29% from three. And that's pretty tough to, if your lead guard is not going to be able to provide any offense, at least from the outside. Uh, I, it reminds me of not exactly the same, but the guy I'm referencing Subi is Nick wise. If, if you can't shoot, then nobody's going to worry about that. And that just makes offense uh, tough to run. Yeah. Hell of a week though, for Northwestern alums, they went toe to toe a little bit with Ohio state in the big 10 title game in football, pulled off a big upset against Michigan state in basketball. Uh, you know, and I, I do love, I'm really not trying to belittle this. I'm not trying to make fun of it, but I do think it's hysterical. We saw all these videos from like Rachel Nichols to Wilbon to Greeny sending all these congratulations and awesome, like hype up videos. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm they like, do that every year, you know, no, like- I know, but I'm just sitting there and I'm like, 
these guys, these guys are getting ready to play the biggest games of their lives against fucking Ohio State. And you got Rachel Nichols and Greeny just already like give them something to get pumped up about, please. Uh, you got to pull someone else. Honestly, just let Pat Fitzgerald talk. If it's if Pat Fitzgerald is a, is a great motivator, great coach, let him take it over. Uh, but good for Northwestern and their athletic department this past week. Last thing I want to discuss real quick before we get to gambling and Griswold. And I'd like to bring up how much better bracketology is and, and, and college basketball is than the college football playoff in that selection committee. Can I do that real quick? Okay. Because I don't want to be a guy that's like, like my sport, like my sport, this other sport sucks. But in reality, college football is such a goddamn joke. Pete Thamel the other day, and I don't I don't include Pete Thamel enough when I talk about hacks in college basketball. I, I always bring up 40. I always bring up Dick Vitale. I always bring up Schleybaugh. I always bring up Dan Dockage. Pete Thamel, he's, he's gone on note, unnoticed on my radar, but no longer. He tweeted last week, or excuse me, on Sunday, that the college football playoff committee is becoming more and more like the NCAA tournament and that they block out mid-majors. And I'm, I'm just sitting there to use it again, bewildered, befuddled, be whatever the hell you want to say. I was just shocked, appalled at this tweet because we have proof positive that that is not the case. Gonzaga final four, Wichita state final four, fucking Loyola, Chicago made the final four. And this just is going above and beyond disproving what he said, which is that they don't even invite these guys. Not only do does college basketball invite the little guy, the little guy excels. And, get, and has a chance to win a title. Uh, so, Pete Thamel, you're a hack. But, I mean, can we talk a little bit about how how much better – you know, everyone has snubs. Everyone says, oh, this, this team got snubbed from the bubble, yada, yada. But I want to take a, a moment to appreciate how much better the selection process is than, let's say, college football. Because in college football, Army's at 9-2. and two. They can't play in a bowl game. An undefeated Cincinnati Bearcats team finishes eighth in the country. Uh, that means, I mean, if I were to just do a very lazy, quick parallel, if they expanded the college football playoff, they'd have barely snuck in to compete for a title. But in college basketball, they'd be a firm two seed, right? Texas A&M football only losses to Alabama and they basically play a full schedule and they're left out for a team that plays five regular season games. It's it, 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 this past Sunday and looking at the college football playoff committee really gave me an appreciation for what we have in college basketball shark did you see that at all i'm just wondering you all right over there jeez i'm not i'm not i i, I just I gathered a lot of saliva in the sides of my i know take it easy man get some soup calm down a little bit that wasn't that was impassioned that was empowering i respect that um i have nothing to add ditto <laughs> good gosh good i, I mean yeah. it's like you got to stand for something right you know find your passion spread your wings over there this could be your 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 uh, manifesto. I kind of feel like uh, Frank the Tank in old school, and then James Carville yeah. just comes up. And he's like, mm, I got nothing. That was perfect. All Pretty right. Good. I appreciate it. Let's go ahead and get to gambling and Griswolden. Here's an idea. Why don't you give me half the money you were going to bet, and we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day. <laughs> Let's uh, also take a look at last week. Let me pull that up real quick uh, because we are still tied. I will let you know that we are still tied. But to recap some of the picks, uh, let's start with Taylor first. You had UTEP plus 14 against ASU. 
UTEP won straight up. I mean, embarrassed ASU. Montana plus eight against Washington won that bet. Notre Dame against Duke. Uh, not sure what you think, Shark. You said it was three and a half, but Duke ended up going into South Bend and winning. Uh, and then Shark, to recap your bets, Creighton minus six and a half against St. John's. That was a hit. You went three and zero. Uh, Richmond minus six over Vandy and Texas Tech plus three over Kansas in a fantastic game there in Lubbock. Shark, I'll start with you. Gambling and Griswold and hit us. You want me to recap last week on the three and oath, or do you want me just to give you the, the quick ones for this week? We're about week three into this, and I, I like to think we should be at a better spot because you've asked me questions right after I kick it to you. Dive into your this week, please. I right. just did the recap. Okay. Well, I was expecting a few more compliments for ripping off three winners for you right there. I mean, getting that lead a headline on Texas Tech. I mean, seeing two, seeing it out two days in advance and fall within the number. But hey, I guess we're not doing compliments on this show. This I week, you, I, I called you the Oracle from the Matrix. Well, you can give me a few more. Yeah, you can, you can give me a few more. I'm not going to say no to them. But I'm going to do this week. I'm doing three short favorites. Uh, again, Taylor and I, we've discussed this. All these picks are just on Wednesday because you can't see ahead and get lines for Thursday or Friday. It's tough to do it. So the ones that I found today, three short favorites. The first one is going to be Ohio State over our darling Rutgers on this podcast. Uh, Ohio State's favored by a point and a half. The game's in Columbus. It's a mid-afternoon game. I think this is the kind of Rutgers. Everybody loves Ron Harper Jr. at, at this point. Geo Baker, all those guys. I think Ohio State's going to put the clamps down a little bit on the three-point line and do a good job of getting a victory in that one. I really do like this Ohio State team. Kyle Young, uh, Justice Suing, uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. can get a shot, and hopefully EJ Little's finally healthy to come back, and I think one and a half is a little too low. My next pick, I'm going to stay in the Big Ten. These guys are due. I mean, at this point, they've been kind of getting embarrassed playing off of that Rutgers game right there. I'm going to go Illinois. As of right now, they're favored by three points on the road against Penn State. That's that's not enough. That's not enough for Illinois. And for a team that was a, a surefire top 10 team going into the season, um, uh, right now they're ranked 18. They have three losses. I think this is a get-right game. And then after that, they got met Maryland and Nebraska. They might start two-stepping a little bit, Illinois and IU and Kofi Coburn. Uh, and then finally, my last one, I'm going to go to the Big East. We have I have Villanova. They are favored by three against Marquette. Marquette typically plays Villanova tough, so I'll be careful. And that line has got me a little bit. So my eyebrows raised a little bit because I feel like that's a little short, especially because Villanova's ranked what number three in the country right now. But I don't think it's enough. Uh, Marquette, they're they really only get scoring out of their backcourt and Carton and uh, who's the other dude? Um, I, I forget his name. You know the guy I'm talking about though. And I think Villanova's just going to lock them down. They always have guards that can play great defense. And uh, everybody likes to save Theo John for Marquette, but in reality, the guy actually doesn't really do anything except scream and yell. Uh, so I think Villanova will humble Marquette tomorrow night. So Ohio State minus one and a half, Illinois minus three, Villanova minus three. Wonderful. Taylor. So I, I hate to complain about this segment so early in its infancy, let's call it. Has Shark gone first three weeks in a row now? He might have. Why? Is that an issue? Well, yeah, you don't want to pick the picks? same fucking games, right? Well, yeah, I have to scramble well, so for my fourth or pivot? fifth have, picks. Have you scrambled in the past? Every Kobe, week. Kobe McEwen. Yeah. That was a Marquette guy. <laughs> Kobe McEwen. Yeah. yeah. I've had to, I've, <laughs> all right. All right. My bad. 
I've had to replace multiple picks every week so far, including this one. Luckily, you don't have to replace my. Yeah, well, luckily I. You got to tell me that offline. Yeah, you can still, you can still, we can be on the same side. Well, then it's just less fun, I think. You know, or we could be on opposite sides too, which would be which we might be on one of the games here. I'm going to go with uh, as we referenced earlier. I'm going to go with Xavier plus eight against Creighton. Uh, we kind of gave a lot of the reasons why uh, we like Xavier um, more. Kunkel. I, you know, is really what I'm looking for in that one to see if he can uh, come off that 22 point game. I think eight is a lot for a team that's uh, undefeated and uh, five and three against the spread. Obviously, Creighton's great squad. One of Sharks, two. You only have two teams so far this year, Shark. Well, yeah. I'm not, honestly, I'm, I'm I'm not even sure I consider Creighton as one of my teams right now. You're already awesome. <laughs> Well, I was on him for my pick last week because it was a great match, but I, I can't stand Creighton at this point. Didn't you come into the show like last week or two weeks ago about how Creighton was your was were your boys was one of your yeah, squads? I did that early in the year. Okay. I did Creighton in Houston, but now I, I've seen enough. They're out for me. <laughs> All right, for that alone, Xavier plus eight. Uh, I'm actually going to take the opposite. I'm going to go with Rutgers plus two at Ohio State. Um, Bad I think. Pick. Ohio- I think Ohio State's a good. Is this now the second biggest game in Titch history, or is it? it could be, yeah. Or is it over Florida State from a couple weeks ago because we're on opposite sides? I think this has to be it because we're on opposite sides. Well, not to mention we're all Rutgers guys too. That's an added layer of complexity. Mm-hmm. Big Rutgers uh, podcast here, so I'm going to go with Rutgers. Uh, I'm happy to see them with some success, and I like Ohio State a lot, and but I think. Uh, Rutgers is going to continue their hot streak that they're currently on. And then uh, last and certainly not least here, uh, I'm going to go with a team that I actually complimented earlier, but I'm going to go against them here. And I'm going to go with uh, Oregon by three at home over UCLA. Oregon has been a very, you know, untalked about team so far this year, a team that was projected to potentially win the Pac-12. They they have a lot of talent still left on that team. Uh no, no Dwayne Benjamin or anyone like that, but uh, you know, they still have in Folly Dante, uh, people of that nature. So, I'm going to go with Oregon at home over UCLA by three. So, Oregon by three, Javier to stay within eight, and Rutgers to stay within two. We'll see how we do come next week. All right, let's go ahead and get to some segments. Before we round it out with Friday Bracketology and Hugs, we want to remind you uh, that we are brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go ahead and subscribe. Shark, Friday Bracketology, any holiday uh, edition that you can provide us? Are you th- last week's Friday, I never know what you want me to do here. The last week one or the one I got upcoming? Whatever you want to do. I got nothing. I got the one I did last week. I put Pfizer in there. Pfizer yeah, was the do last that. Four do in. last yeah, week, they, then. All right, good. Yeah, Pfizer, last four in. They come out, they got a vaccine. Everybody's fired up. Um, Moderna, I'd put them in the last four in as well. Anyone else that's coming forward with a vaccine, you're in. Sub, this is one for you, and I want you to kind of take the, 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 uh, the ball here for a second, but soft drink Christmas commercials. I always think of the old Coke commercials with Santa, very red, very refreshing in the snow. It always looks good. I put Saturday football on. I like Saturday football when you got the NFL doing it. I probably should have uh, 
specified that a little better. And then finally, holiday work ethic. Nobody's putting in the work ethic. You're just getting in there. You're logging minutes. You're putting in innings, weak innings in the middle of the game, just trying to survive in advance to punch out at that point. So those are the last four in. First four out, I put Kyrie Irving. It was This was around the time of him doing his little sage dance. I mean, what are you doing there, guy? The Charles Barkley quote was just hysterical. Uh, people that ask you to make bets for them. That's a Mike's, uh, the Providence crier came forward on that one. When anyone knows you have a betting account or a bookie or anything like that and saying, yeah, well, you put this massive bet on this game where it could potentially jeopardize me and I'm on the hook for it, but you Venmo me for it afterwards. Come on, just get get your own get your own account. COVID uh, basketball cancellations. Honestly, it was probably just a filler. I was trying to get one more in there in the first four out because we've had a ton of those all year. And then the final one was a please advise with quotes around it. Everyone gets that at work. Please advise. It's basically just a, a subtle way of uh, someone asking you to tell them negative information or information that you don't want to have to tell them. It's never good. Never want to get hit with a please advise. Always do want to hit others with a please, please advise, though, because then you can subtly convey your mood to them. I love it. Three items I want to just quickly touch on. The first one, soft drink Christmas commercials. I'm glad you brought up Coke. You brought up Santa. Let's not forget about the polar bears as well. And then also Sprite. Sprite with LeBron James puts out some really good uh, musical Christmas commercials there. Number two, you mentioned uh, COVID cancellations. I've come to the realization there's no point in us looking forward to or to, to any games. I'm not talking about gambling in Griswold and I'm talking about what's on the schedule that might look tasty because we've already seen so many cancellations and reschedules. We truly don't know what the hell is going to happen in the week to come. So that's out. Uh, and then the last one, please advise in emails. I'm not a please advise guy, but what I have become as a, in, in, my corporate cubicle monkey stage is I'm an exclamation point guy and I hate it. I hate what I've become. I am very much a thank you exclamation point used to just be a thank you period, but now I'm just trying to feel and, and come off as energetic. So I'm glad you brought those to the forefront. Who I hate being an exclamation point guy in emails too, but as a realtor, I kind of have to be like excited about the transaction. Like, yeah, we found yeah. a home or yeah, let's get those contracts signed or whatever, you know? And in reality, I'm like, could you just fucking open your fucking e-sign and get this over with? I can't put that in an email and sound excited though. Yeah. Taylor, uh, hugs. Let's finish it up here. Anything for us? So I hate to have kind of like a melancholy hug during the holidays, but I'm actually going to hug college basketball refereeing because I have witnessed just a number of horrific block charge calls lately this year. Uh, Not even just referencing like the Arizona game last week, which was like literally just 20 possessions in a row of charges. I think that they're out of practice too, just as much as the players are. We've seen some, I I think we've gotten to a point where they, they just assume that anything that happens outside of the semicircle is a, is a charge. And that's what it looks like. Uh, One that kind of made national rounds this week was uh, in a game from last week, I should say, uh, where uh, the guy, I think it was the Memphis game, actually. The player came down and uh, didn't even make contact with the defender. Defender falls over and they call the charge. Saw another one last night in the UConn or two nights ago in the UConn game where uh, two teammates ran into each other. They called charge. Uh, it's it's become unfortunately bad. It, it just seems like there's a lot of them this year. So I'm going to hug refs because they had just as little practice as the players did this year. Yeah, I can't I can't agree with you anymore. Charging has just been it's it's an epidemic. It's a, that's the pandemic that we're fighting in college basketball. Charge calls. Shark, uh, any hugs? Patrick Ewing, 
He's been getting rolled in the media uh, the past couple of years. Hasn't gotten Georgetown back to the top. He recently pulled in five-star recruit Amino Muhammad, who is from D.C., but went and uh, was playing at a school, I think a prep school in Missouri. And now Pat Ewing has somehow put together a pretty good 2021 class with Matumbo's kid. They got Muhammad here. Uh, and it may be something where Patrick Ewan is going to revitalize Georgetown hoops. He's going to need it. Uh, we talked about Penny Hardaway getting that extension, former player, the backbone of a program. Patrick Ewing certainly that as well. So uh, Georgetown basketball looking for a resurgence. I'm going to give two quick hugs, first of all, to Rutgers. I know we've belabored this point. There are guys, but it truly is. I mean, outside of us being ironic and funny, it is truly time to think of them as a legitimate basketball program. And a, a real hug to Steve Peichel. He's done an amazing job. If you just think back to six, seven years ago on the Mike Rice fiasco when he got fired for basically just bullying his players being an asshole to where they are now Rutgers is never really known as an athletic program they're that commuter school at somewhere in New Jersey it's Piscataway don't don't get it twisted I know where it is but Rutgers is a legitimate basketball program they had a fantastic win against Illinois at home they have a true true roster I'm very excited to see what the Scarlet Knights can do moving forward and then lastly another quick hug for the Chattanooga Mocs Chattanooga is 9-0. and Matt McCall is now the coach at UMass, and they're just terrible. Matt McCall used to be the coach at Chattanooga, and a, a departure like that, team like Chattanooga is probably used to them being selves, themselves being a stepping stone. But is UMass a better program than Chattanooga? Do we actually know that? Chattanooga 9-0 and this year. A fantastic start for the mocks. Uh, so hug for them. And hug for you again, wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We will catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. Thank you.